0: Welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast presented by the Athens-Limestone County Public Library. Each episode brings you into the library to meet our collection of people making an impact on the community of Athens and Limestone County, Alabama. Good afternoon. Welcome to Between the Stacks at the Athens-Limestone County Public Library. My name is Melinda Jones and I'm the adult new program coordinator and today I have local author Robert Bailey and he is going to walk us through a little bit about his writing career and his books that he's written.
1: Uh, hey Melinda, thanks for having me. Always great to be at the Athens-Limestone Public Library. i um, so I have been an author, or a published author, since 2014. I want to be an author probably since 2000. Um, and uh, we have uh, nine novels out, and uh, the latest Rich Waters released about three weeks ago. So excited about the, uh, the reception to it and uh, about my career so far.
0: Okay, so tell us a little bit, what inspired you to want to be a writer?
1: So, um, I think I've always loved to read. Um, ever since I was a kid, I learned to read in the first grade. And so, um, reading fiction has always been something I've loved to do, even from the Bobsey twins in the first grade up all the way through the, the Cleary books and the Judy Bloom books and, uh, and then all the great books you read in high school. And, uh, Really started reading for pleasure then. Um, John Grisham came out with his first few novels uh, when I was in high school. Scott Turow was becoming a big deal. Stephen King was already a big deal. So I think uh, reading all of those authors was definitely inspiring for me. And I think uh, when I was in college, uh, Davidson College, my last semester, I, uh, there was a creative writing class where we got to write four short stories. and. Uh, I took the class and loved it. And uh, of course, my stories were probably terrible at the time, but got enough positive comments to think that I might have some talent for it. And then uh, I read Stephen King's book on writing, such a great story of his life. And then, you know, his advice for young writers uh, or for just aspiring writers. And so with all of that in play, I started working on the idea for the professor, which kind of came to me in law school, which was Basically, what would happen if a law professor actually had to try a case. It was kind of a smart idea at the time, but it sort of evolved into what would happen if a uh, sort of a legendary law professor was thrust back into the courtroom.
0: So uh, tell us about when do you find the time to write? How do you balance between finding time to work and write?
1: So that's changed for me over the years initially as a young attorney. I would write in the mornings from around four o'clock to 6.30, uh, particularly when um, my wife Dixie and I started having kids. Um, getting up in the morning was just easier. Uh, it was before anybody woke up, it was quiet. And um, that was kind of my best best time to write. It really probably still is. I don't get up quite as early as I used to because I'm older and I need more sleep. But uh, But I still, the first two hours of my day, if I can do that, you know, creating, you know, in creative mode, then I seem to get the most quality out of my writing. And uh, my law practice, as the books have become more and more successful. My law practice has cut back some. It's definitely more limited now than it used to be, not quite part-time, but it's definitely evolving into that, which uh, has been great. You know, it's been, uh, my law firm's been very supportive of me.
0: All right, so talk us out with their professor and just kind of walk us through that series a little bit.
1: Sure. So The Professor is my first novel. It features a law professor named Tom McMurtry, who is at the end of his career, kind of in the twilight. You know, he was a young, you know, very good lawyer, and Coach Bear Bryant asked him to come back to Alabama and be a law professor. He had played on Coach Bryant's 61 national championship team, which is, I mean, that, that actually happened, but Tom McMurtry is completely fictional. Um, and so when you meet Tom, uh, the first time he's having the meeting with Coach Brian and then it jumps forward 40 years and he is a, uh, a law professor and he's sort of being pushed out by the university. You know, they want somebody younger. And so he sort of unceremoniously gets forced to retire. All the while, this, this awful car accident involving an old friend of Tom's and you know, some family members of his old friend are killed in this crash. It's a trucking accident. The friend comes to Tom, asks for his help. Tom, you know, refers the, uh, the friend to a, a young lawyer who uh, he's sort of estranged with, but who has got a lot of talent and is from where the accident happens. His name is Rick Drake. And, uh, and so Rick takes the case and uh, gets in way over his head. And uh, because the trucking company is very ruthless, as a r- ruthless owner trying to cover up the truth. And so he comes and visits Tom at his farm in Hazel Green. And Tom is also struggling with uh, a health problem as well. And so he's not doing very well. And so Rick comes and Tom agrees to come back to the courtroom. And it's very much a redemption story. And uh, and so along the way in that story, you meet a lawyer named Bo Steve Haynes, who is... Uh, a black lawyer from Pulaski, Tennessee, who is a good friend with Tom, was a, was also a former student of Tom's, and uh, and Bo sort of helps Tom realize that he needs to keep fighting and provides some key help at the end of the trial. In the professor, um, it really was meant to be sort of a one off story, but uh, we ended up with a two book deal. So we uh, we spawned it, you know, what eventually became the McMurtry and Drake series into four books, and the second book is. Uh, between Black and White, which takes Tom and Rick to Pulaski, Tennessee, where Bo Cephas Haynes has been charged with the murder of a uh, prominent citizen who was once the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, and so or the Imperial Wizard. And so that takes you into Bo's backstory and his life, trying to avenge the death of his father when he was a young child and uh, by the Ku Klux Klan, and he grows up, becomes this great lawyer, but then... The Klansman that he's always felt did it ends up murdered, and it looks like Bo was guilty. And so Tom takes the case, goes to Pulaski, and faces the prosecutor there, General Helen Lewis, which is kind of a neat fact that the uh, the district attorney in Tennessee, they go by general in the courtroom, So, which was really literary gold for me with this character. And so, um, so that's very much a revenge-type story, um, and uh, it gives you— sort of the Bo Cebus Haynes story. He's, he's not the main character in the story, but I think the plot moves all around him. Uh, the third McMurtry book is The Last Trial, where Tom goes back to Tuscaloosa and his health problems have really become a big thing. And he realizes that he's probably doesn't have much trial work left. And there is a character from the professor uh, named Wilma Newton, who uh, ends up being charged with a murder of a sort of a prior villain in one of the stories and Tom ends up taking that case and trying to help Wilma knowing that it's going to be his last trial. And um, that book's special to me because I wrote it right after my dad died. And so the uh, professor begins to take on a lot of my dad's characteristics in this story. And uh, it was fun because in the first two books, Tom is going up against lawyers who are definitely enemies, not necessarily villains, but just you know, adversaries. And in the last trial, he goes up against former student Pal Conrad, who's his friend. And it's almost harder for Tom and Pal to deal with that. Um, and then in the final reckoning, uh, probably the biggest villain in the series is a guy named Jim Bone Wheeler, who is in each of the books. And he uh, has finally been put in prison, but he gets out and he vows to, to bring a reckoning on Tom and all the people that he loves. And, uh, and he goes about trying to do that and uh, Tom is now in Hazel Green he's battling cancer he's sort of at the end of his days and he has to sort of rise up and defend himself and his family against this you know threat and by this point Rick Drake has sort of become a really good lawyer in his own right and is sort of uh, representing some of the family members that were affected in the last trial and and so he and Bo and Tom and the General kind of all come together to go up against Jimbo and Wheeler in this Final Reckoning story that, uh special for me because it's the last of the McMurtry stories, but it spins off to Bo Cephas Haynes' novels. You know, Bo Cephas Haynes became the main character in Legacy of Lies, and you get to see Bo in the aftermath of the Final Reckoning. You know, now he is a, a single father trying to get custody of his children from uh, their grandparents, and... Struggling in his life, and he returns to Pulaski, where his life used to be. When the general gets charged with murder, and uh, the legacy of Lies story has a little bit of a presumed innocent feel to it, with a, a prosecutor on trial in her own courtroom. But it definitely is sort of the uh, beginning of Bocebus Haynes becoming, you know, his own sort of person, and his his hero's quest is uh, is really only beginning in that story. And then you see sort of the backstory of the general in Legacy of Lies. You get to see how she became who she is. The person she's charged with murdering is her ex-husband. And then there's this mysterious, uh, you know, business tycoon in Pulaski named Michael Zanuck, who is, you're not really sure about him. He seems to be a villain uh, and certainly acts like it in this story. But um, the second Bo Sivas Haynes book is The Wrong Side, which... uh, Features Bo as a success. He's really gotten his career back rolling, and um, he uh, represents a young football star who's been charged with murdering the local um, music sensation. In this story, uh, very much uh, inspired by To Kill a Mockingbird a little bit, um, which is a great inspiration of mine and so many other lawyers and writers. um, You have uh, this uh, character, uh, Odell Champagne is his name, you know, everybody just wants this case to go away. And so Bo sort of finds himself on the wrong side of the whole town in representing him. But like in all of my books, things aren't always as they seem. And uh, and Bo eventually sort of gets to the heart of what happened. And, uh, and he begins to have his own, you know, he has his investigator, Albert Hooper. He has his new assistant, Lona Burks. He's Guy beginning to sort of get friendly with the chief Franny Storm, who's sort of against him in these cases, but they're friendly, and and then of course the general is still a big part of it. So, and then after the wrong side, we decided to do something a little different. Um, did two things different. Um, first thing we did different is uh, I did an inspirational novel called The Golfer's Carol, which is a very big departure for me. It's a shorter story, probably around 200 pages. And it is, uh, if I the elevator pitch for it is, um, it's a field of dreams meets a Christmas carol meets It's a Wonderful Life and a, on a golf course. Um, it's very much, uh, meant to be a story of hope where a character named Randy Clark named after my father becomes, uh, very depressed in the aftermath of his son's uh, young son's death and his contemplating suicide. And he always wanted to be a PGA tour player. And so he's visited by his best friend who has recently died, who did make the tour who gives him this wonderful gift four rounds of golf with his heroes. And along the way, you know, he is able to uh, sort of find himself again and, and learn about himself, about his family and about what it really means to be grateful. And so uh, that story was written in the aftermath of my dad's death and also my wife's recovery from cancer. So I wrote the story to mourn my dad and to celebrate Dixie. And it uh, really came together well. A lot of people don't realize I wrote it because it's so different. Um, and then um, we started a new series last year with Rich Blood, the Jason Rich series, which uh, features a brand new character and um, very much a departure from both was Haynes or Tom McMurtry in the sense that... Jason Rich, the first time you meet him, is really not that good of a guy, you know, kind of a scoundrel, is uh, an alcoholic, uh, just getting out of rehab, um, being disciplined by the Alabama State Bar, sort of on a zero tolerance policy, is thinking about just gloriously falling off the wagon when he gets this call from his sister, from his hometown of Gunnersville, who says she's been charged with murdering her husband. And uh, Jason, who's never tried a case in his life, he's a billboard lawyer. He has settled, you know, hundreds of cases for millions of dollars. He's very successful. But like a lot of civil lawyers, including myself, you know, he hasn't uh, tried a whole lot of cases. And in fact, uh, he has not tried any cases. And so uh, he tries his first jury trial, going home to Gunnersville, trying to stay sober, representing his sister, who drives him nuts. And um, that allowed me to uh, explore some new terrain, a different town. And Guntersville is such a great spot for a fictional story because you have the lake, which is beautiful but dangerous, and then you have the specter of Sand Mountain that you know hangs over the town, which Sand Mountain's a wonderful place with great people, but there is an off-the-grid kind of reputation. There is a drug reputation with methamphetamine, and so that allows me to introduce villains from that area that uh, the main villain of the series is this young meth king named Tyson Cade who uh, leans on Jason Sum in this story and um, this is going to be a growth series uh, and we recently released the second book Rich Waters which picks up in the aftermath of Rich Blood and now Jason is being blackmailed by Tyson Cade to take this impossible case where a former football star whose life has turned out sour gets charged with the murder of a young police officer and the town is just completely outraged and uh, wants justice for the officer and Jason has to take the case, doesn't want to trying to raise, you know, his family now in the aftermath of rich blood. And, uh, he remarks midway through the story, you know, I could win the case and lose everything I care about. And so, um, it's, uh, it's meant the Jason rich series. I'm working on the third book now. And uh, I think that eventually what we'll see is a, uh, I hate to date myself, but it is sort of a Star Wars, you know. The second book has kind of got an Empire Strikes Back feel to it. It's definitely a fall story. And the third book is going to sort of be a rise story, a Return of the Jedi type story. Jason sort of rises from where he ends Rich Waters and, you know, has to deal with an even more impossible case that uh, I hope will be compelling to readers.
0: Very good. Thank you so much. Well, I know all of our readers in the library, they love all your books. We hardly can keep them on the shelf. Well, I love
1: know love hearing that.
0: Yes, I know everyone enjoys them. So, of course, as you just said, there is going to be another book following rich writers, and then maybe what's next. Do you know yet? I do.
1: So, in uh, Rich Justice will come out in May of next year, and then in 2025, the year after that, we have an untitled novel that is going to be a political thriller, That envisions a world where there is a cure for cancer and that the government knows about it and is hiding it from us. And the president of the United States has cancer that has gone into remission. And his best friend, the chief of staff, uh, who's the main character in the story, learns about it. And his daughter uh, has cancer. And so he basically steals the cure, goes rogue with his family, and leaves the White House for the deserts of new mexico where he comes under the protection of this business land tycoon who the government is kind of afraid of and so it's a political thriller neo-western we have pitched it as john grisham meets yellowstone so if you're there are any yellowstone fans the the new mexico uh business land tycoon is going to have some similarity to john dutton in the sense that he's very uh you know, protective of the people he loves and cares about. And, uh, there is a connection with the chief of staff's family And the government's a little afraid of him so that it's, you know, it's definitely going to end up in a showdown type situation. It's a book I've thought about for years of writing and it does explore some of the conspiracy theories. I think people have about, you know, whether there is a cure for cancer or different types of cancers. And because my wife and father both had cancer I know the landscape. I don't know that I believe in the conspiracies, but I've heard them. I've heard them before in waiting rooms. And so I think they're out there. At least the rumors are out there. And so I think, I hope the book will be compelling to, to folks.
0: That's exciting. So, uh, any views about any other books becoming maybe TV series, uh, Netflix series, anything like that?
1: So, nothing concrete. Uh, you know, there's a writer's strike right now in Hollywood. So, everything is pretty much on hold until that is over. But um, there is some momentum for that right now, but nothing concrete.
0: I know I personally enjoyed The Golfers' Carol. It reminded me a lot of Tuesdays with Murray. Any hopes that you may write another kind of inspirational book?
1: Yes. So I am working on one right now and uh, something that I hope will get published eventually that uh, will be a little different. It's a little different take on the old story of *Stars Born*. You know, it's kind of about music and stuff, and um, the young musical star and a, a older, you know, legendary singer. And uh, I don't really want to give much away about that yet because I, I'm really excited about it. But um, I've written a first draft of that story, and so I do hope to do something there again.
0: Great. Well, okay. So I can't end our time here until I ask, "What are you reading now?" and "Who is your favorite author?"
1: So I'm reading All the Sinners Bleed right now by S.A. Cosby, and uh, he has become one of my favorite writers over the last few years. Um, His books uh, All the Sinners Bleed, uh, Razorblade Tears, Blacktop Wasteland are all incredible books, and uh, he's gotten a lot of critical acclaim because his writing is so good. Um, I love Michael Connelly. One of the thrills of my life was getting a cover blurb from him for Rich Waters and exchanging emails with him about the story. And uh, the fact that he likes my books you know makes me feel good but uh, you know all of his stories you know the Mickey Haller, Lincoln lawyer books, the Bosch books he's probably my favorite author of all time.
0: Well we just want to thank you for coming here today for spending time with us and always coming here to see our readers so we appreciate it very much. Well
1: I appreciate you Melinda thank <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank
0: you. You've been listening to Between the Stacks a podcast from the Athens-Limestone County Public Library. To hear other recordings from our Library Voices podcast series, check out our website at alcpl.org. Library Voices is also now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.